Amen, amen. Well, welcome to Foundation Church, and on behalf of all of us here, and on behalf of the Rayburn family, we just want to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Man, we love this time of year. What a special, special time, and you are catching us here at the tail end of a series that we have been in called Holy Moments. So we believe that that your life isn't just measured by time, but your life is actually measured in moments. And today we're going to kick things off with somebody that you know, somebody that you have heard of before, one of the greatest theologians ever known to man, Mr. Dr. Seuss, who says, sometimes you never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Sometimes you never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Do you think about over the course of your life, all of the moments that you've had, the things that you have reflected on or things that you may remember are some of those moments that are extremely valuable to you. But oftentimes we don't know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. We are in uh, Luke chapter 2 today, and we have, once again, just been in this series looking at the moments of the Christmas story and bringing new life and new perspective to maybe a story that you've heard many, many times before. But if you don't mind, would you just stand with us one more time as we read God's Word together? We're in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And it says it like this, it says, And the angel said to them, them being the shepherds, the lowly shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Can you all just say all? All. All people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Let us pray one more time today. Dearly Father, thank you for bringing us into your house. And God, we pray that just over the next few moments, Lord, that we would just be present to your word, be present to what you are doing here in this time and in this place, God. I pray that you would just speak, God, through your messenger, Lord. May your spirit begin to move within our hearts and lives as we continue to just dive into your story, God, of your birth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. As you sit down, high five, handshake, say Merry Christmas to the person sitting next to you. Amen, a little Christmas joy getting spread this morning. So this story that we just read, these verses that we just read is of the shepherds encounter with these angels. And they hear the the good news that the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. And here's what they do upon hearing this word. They don't hesitate. They actually immediately go and they begin to hunt and search for this, this child to use what had been spoken of, the sign. They're looking for a manger and they'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes there. And they are looking and seeking and searching all throughout this city of Bethlehem of which they are now in. And you can imagine going door to door, looking in all sorts of different places until the moment where they find him, exactly as what was promised, exactly as the angels said, And there they find Mary and Joseph, and they begin to share with with Mary and Joseph all that they had both seen and all that they had heard. 
Those two things, all that they had seen and all that they had heard. And Mary and Joseph, they are just taking it in. And then it says that the, that the shepherds immediately then went all across Bethlehem and began to share and proclaim the good news that Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord has been born. We've seen him. This is how the message came to us. This is what we have seen. And he tells everybody, it'd be like going around Grayson door to door, sharing the good news. That is what they did. But among this whole narrative, there is a verse that we want to highlight today. A verse that maybe you haven't necessarily looked at or maybe you just kind of glanced over. It's actually Luke chapter 2, verse 19. We're going to step into Mary's life here for just a moment. It says, but Mary, Mary, she treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It's as if Mary is now having a moment. You can imagine the chaos that has happened all the way up to this point where she now has a moment to think, to ponder, to wonder all that has happened. And here's what I know to be true for you today. And this is the little gift that we want to give you is that either the past two days have been very crazy and the next two are also going to be crazy or it's just getting started today. Your busyness and your, your, your meals and dinners, all of those things are to come. And so here's what we want to give you as well today. A moment to just take a deep breath, just to settle in, to relax. Just take the next 25 minutes to just ponder for a moment, just as Mary did. All that God has done, all that God will do. And here's what we hope that today will become a moment in your life that will one day be a memory be a moment that is valuable to you today. So we encourage you to just pause today as Mary did. Because once again, sometimes you don't know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Today, the title of our message is The Power of a Memory. It's the power of a memory. See, Mary, she treasured all these things. She pondered them in her heart. Now, I begin to ask our team this simple question. I want to ask you the same thing. What do you think she pondered? What do you think was running through her mind as she began to just treasure and ponder all of these things? What was it that she would have thought of? And here's what's so cool. I began to ask our team this week the same question. And Mary, she's a real mother. She is a real person. And so oftentimes what comes to your mind is probably even some of the things that would have come to her mind. And so I don't know exactly what she would have pondered, but using just throughout the, using the scriptures, using our study and using our human nature, I think Mary would have pondered possibly these three things. Number one, God's promises from the past, God's peace in the present, and God's power in the future. These three things. Now, let me give you just a little bit of context, even more so. So Mary, she's just given birth. She's just given birth, ladies and gentlemen, in a barn next to animals. I don't know if anybody else has had that experience, but I highly doubt that that's on the top of your list of how you want to bring forth a child. We want hospitals, and here's the other thing, anesthesia, right, ladies? Mary had none of that, none of that. Mary, she was at a baby in a barn and she felt it all and had this whole experience there. And here's what we have been able to find true in our lives. There are few things more memorable than a birth of a, of a child. Few things are more memorable than a birth of a child. 
I can go back. I've been a part of three births. Obviously, I've never had a child, so I'll be very careful with the words that I say during this next few moments. But I have been in the room. I've been the greatest of greatest leg holders and support in the room of just offering encouragement and just trying to not say something that I would regret. But if you know me very well, you will know that that is absolutely true. I said many things that I do regret that Emily uh, now continually reminds me of. But Mary in this moment that she is new. She's a new mother, and her life up to this point has not been easy. It's actually probably been very, very chaotic. And so she finally is now without guests. Can everybody say an amen to that? You know, in Carter County, it's like the birth of a baby is this embar this embarment of like the bombardment of just like friends and family. You can imagine this moment she gets no guests. The shepherds are finally gone, and she's sitting here pondering, pondering this. And you can imagine she begins to look around. She's like, I'm in a barn next to these animals here. I'm holding literally the a child that is the son of God. And then she begins to think, where in the world am I? And she remembers that she's in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, not in her hometown, not with friends and family all around her, but in a, in a foreign land in Bethlehem. And then she would just begin to think, how in the world is it possible that I ended up in Bethlehem? And then maybe there was a moment that clicked for her where at Bethlehem, Bethlehem, wherever I heard of Bethlehem. And then her mind would have immediately, oh my goodness. She would have been reminded maybe of Micah 5.2, where Bethlehem comes on the scene. It says this is a prophecy some 700 years before this moment that she would have heard and would have known before. But you, Bethlehem, I try to say this word, I can't. I, every time it's just like, like, I keep trying to put it out there. I tried practicing last night. Epithath, I don't know. I apologize. I'm sorry. If somebody can say it better, just tell me how to say it one day. But though you are, focus here, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. You, O oh Bethlehem, you, such a small and seemingly insignificant place, you will be the place of which this child is born. She would have been reminded of that, that moment where Joseph came home late and he begins to share with Mary, Mary, I've got some really, really bad news. Like really bad news. So you know Caesar, Caesar Augustus, he has just issued uh, this decree that a census must be taken. Mary, what this means is that we gotta, we gotta start traveling and traveling now. We actually have to go to Bethlehem. Mary is very, very pregnant. And you can imagine she looks at Joseph and says, to heck with that. Probably used a very different word, right, ladies? A very different word. To heck with that. We are going to Bethlehem. Do you see me? Do you see where when I, I am pregnant? There is no way that we're going to Bethlehem. It's Caesar Augustus, Mary. We have to go. We have to go. And really, what did this mean? What would this have meant to her to hear this news that she had to go to Bethlehem? Well, let me show you just a picture of what this means on the map here. So they would have been up in Nazareth and they would have traveled over a hundred or about a hundred miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now here's what we want to bring forth. This is before like I-64. 
This is before paved roads. There would have been a path of which they probably would have followed. This would have been before automobiles. This would have been donkey travel, maybe a wagon if she was lucky. But even then, the terrain probably would have been too harsh. We're talking about a, an area, a location. Imagine all the greenery and trees here in eastern Kentucky being stripped away and just barren rock and dry land. And then having to travel from Grayson to Charleston, West Virginia on a donkey. Doesn't that just sound wonderful? And being nine months pregnant. Could you imagine? No Starbucks, no Chick-fil-A, just you and Joseph on a very, very dangerous road where there would have been wilderness and there would have been the weather and all sorts of things that would have probably prevented their journey or even would have made their journey much more difficult. This is the story of Mary. And so she finds herself traveling to Bethlehem, she now finds herself in a place and living out the last few weeks in the way she never would have planned, never would have expected. And now she finds herself holding this baby in Bethlehem. And as she begins to think about all of the past, not only did she see the promises of God being fulfilled by the prophecy some 700 years ago, but then she would have begun to maybe even experience a sense of joy. Because all the way throughout their journey, you know what they have not been? They have not been alone. All the way throughout their journey, all the way throughout their difficulties, she would have been reminded of Isaiah 7, 14 of what this child represents, of what this child is. It says in Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is one of these words that we got to sing about earlier. And what does it mean? It means God with us. And so here's what Mary would have been able to see and what she would have felt throughout the past journey in the past months is that God had continually been with her, that she was not alone. And here's what's so encouraging to you as we proclaim Jesus as Emmanuel, that also connects to you and to me, that God is with us right here in this place, that he is with you right here in your life, that today that you can experience this truth of Emmanuel, God being with you. This is incredibly hopeful. And this is part of the Christmas story that we love so much is that God has come to us and that he is with us. Mary, as she thinks about the past, she begins to see the promises fulfilled, but then also God's faithfulness that has continually been with her all the way up until this moment. That God's promises from the past are true and they are real. But then I begin to ask a question to our team, specifically to her mom. I said, what do you think she was feeling in this moment? And there's two emotions that came up. First and foremost, to every new mom, you can maybe go back in, in time to where you were first a mother. There was one, one sense or one feeling that they began to bring forth was anxiousness, almost like this anxiety that this human being has now come into the world and you are the one that is now to take care of it, raise it provide for it. And you can imagine Mary, this is even more so true. This is like the son of God. This is, this is, this is like the Messiah. Could you imagine the weight of raising the Messiah? Like what that would have felt like, but let alone what the anxiety you may feel as a new mother. And that was one thing I think is real and true. But then also what they begin to bring life is as you sit there holding your newborn baby, what is it that begins to fill your soul? And we want to proclaim two things, joy and peace. 
joy and peace that you can see all the way throughout God's promises in Mary's life, that what does she then get to step into? God's peace. Because God has been faithful with her all the way throughout her journey, all the way throughout her life. And even in this moment, even in the chaos, even in the unknown, she gets to experience peace. And I believe the same is true for you or my life. As we begin to reflect on the past, and even this week, I begin to reflect on my past is that I think that here we can see and ponder and think through some events in our lives where we get to see God's work that would then allow us to have peace right now in the moment, no matter what you're going through. Let me just take you on just a few of the examples that we've got to have or what we've got to experience. So if you would have met me just a few years ago, you would have found me at Eastern Kentucky University studying to become a biology teacher. And there was one thing I knew for certain that I was going to marry Emily Sloan. I knew that for certain. I put a ring on it that, that, that May 30th, 2015, that we would be officially married. I knew that for certain. But there was this question that we began to ask, where would we go? And here's the honest truth. We never hoped nor dreamed that we would be back in Grace in Kentucky. Never Never. Did we love it? Sure. But it was not where we ever hoped that we would be. We wanted to be among the city, you know, Lexington, Richmond, where things are, you know, better per se. You know, that was our belief. And then I can remember in January of 2015 that we began to have a few more conversations. The time was ticking. We were about to get married in just a few months. Where would we go? What would we do? We had no jobs really on the forefront of our life. We had no idea what would happen, but there was something that began to dwell within us. The first one was that we began to feel that we wanted to be closer to family. Now, to some of you, that may literally sound like hell. No joke, to be live closer to your family. Just coming in here at Christmas season maybe, maybe is enough discomfort for you in a lot of ways. But for us, we're like, we still love our family and we wanted to be close to our family. We had this dream of our kids being raised or having their grandparents be a part of their lives. And we were just like, what could that be like? And we knew Carter County was, was that place. But then God began to do something very, very interesting as well he began to open up a door for us to have a home, to have a home that we could move into once we were married. And this home was 100%, nothing that we ever planned, nothing we ever would have, that we ever could have like orchestrated. It literally was like perfect timing. This home came into our life. We could step into it after we got married and live. And so literally in April of 2015, I'm at Clark County High School doing my student teaching and the principal comes up to me. He says, Aaron, there are four biology positions available and open. Take your pick. You can have the best of the best or the worst of the worst. Take your pick. And I had to look at the principal and say, I actually can't take any of them. We feel like we are uh, being led home. And I have no idea why. That was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But then also, if you would have met me during that time, you would have actually found just a little bit of the rebellion years of Aaron. Like somebody asked me, Aaron, did you ever just like have a moment where you didn't walk with the Lord? Yeah, junior and senior year of college. It would have been a great time to know me and a great time to meet me. It was a stupid time in my life, 100%. And so ministry wasn't even a part of our life. And I can remember my father coming to me in June 
Here we are now back in Carter County with a home. And he says, Aaron, would you like to lead our youth ministry? And to be honest, I felt so unqualified. I was like, Dad, I was like, I don't even know if I'm the right person. But yet we just said yes. And it was as if God opened up the door for us to do ministry again. It was as if God in that moment was like restoring our relationship with him and bringing us back to a service to him. And then just a few months later, we ended up both getting teaching jobs here in Carter County. And then if you continue to fast forward, then I got offered a girls basketball coaching job. That was insane. The craziest four years of my entire life, coaching girls basketball, wouldn't wish it upon anybody. Just kidding. It was actually some highs, but it was crazy. It was crazy. And we faithfully served under my father and, and as in, in Carter County school systems for almost four years. And then in January 2019, God began to just stir in our hearts that there was like something that he was going to lead us into, that something that we would step into. And so we just began to pray and pray and pray. Well, at the same time, in January 2019, Better Life Church launched a campus here in Grayson, Kentucky. And then we begin to hear that they were in need of, of somebody to lead this campus and somebody to minister to the people of this campus. And I can remember in May coming in contact with somebody and I said, hey, what are they going to, going to do to fill that? Well, I have no idea, but here's a number. And so I can remember picking up the phone and calling the executive pastor at Better Life Church and saying, I have no idea what you're looking for. I have no idea if we're the people for the job. He said, but we love Carter County. At this point, we really did love Carter County. We were happy to be back home. I said, but we just feel like God is asking us and calling us to just take some steps of faith. And through that conversation and many, many more, God just completely shifted our life to where I got the opportunity to step in and become a campus pastor here in Grayson, Kentucky for Better Life Church. You fast forward just a few years, we got to see God do some incredible, incredible things, some incredible movements of God. But then as me and the leadership of Better Life Church began to just talk and begin to pray, we got to see that God began to shift our, all of our hearts to say, what would it look like to not just be a campus, but to actually be a church plant, to be, to be an autonomous, independent church here for your community, led by your community. And to all of this, me and Emily said, yes. And so you're standing here today, almost nine months later, in what we are now, Foundation Church, trying to be a light to our community, trying to spread hope to your friends and to your family members. And as I reflect and as I share all of those stories with you, all of those moments, was there good and bad in all of it? Yes, it was like a roller coaster ride. Moments of pain, moments of heartache, but moments of joy and God's faithfulness. And as you reflect back on it, what was was it? What brought us to the moment that we're in today? It was like God gave us a home. Isn't that so cool? How you can just begin to reflect on where you are and how each and every single step of the way, it is as if God has been with you. God has been faithful. God has continued to have your hand upon your life that has brought each and every single one of you right here today to this moment that God is with you is so true. And that if he has been with you for over the past few years, if you can see with new light, with new perspective, how he has worked throughout your life, then what can you experience today? Peace. Peace. No matter what valley you may be going through or what mountaintop you may be on, is that peace is beyond all understanding. 
and that you can experience it today. And I'm sure Mary as well got to experience it as well. And so I want to encourage you today. Just stop, pause, ponder. Think back over the course of your life that has maybe led you right here to this moment. And maybe as you think about it, maybe you can think about the loss of a loved one. Maybe that's one of the memories or moments that come to your life. And you can remember the pain that you had in that moment, but then how friends and neighbors and loved ones begin to surround you with comfort that was there for you. Maybe over the past few years, you go back to a medical diagnosis that you never, ever would have thought that you would receive. But yet all the way throughout treatment, all the way throughout care, it was as if there was this assurance that God is with you each and every single step of the way. Or maybe it's been a job loss or financial struggles over the past few years, just a roller coaster of ups and downs. But yet you stand here today in this moment knowing that God has provided that you've seen God's provision. Or maybe it's been a loss of relationships, of, of just, uh, just turmoil among family, but yet you find today maybe a sense of peace among your friends and those neighbors that maybe once had turmoil, but now you have a sense of a friendship now. All the way throughout your life, and I can go on and on of how I've got to see God move in my life, but I believe the same is so, so true for you. Look into your past, see that God is with you. Ponder your present and understand that there is peace to be had today. And there's this line I came across this past week that I hope is an encouragement to you that anything under God's control is actually never out of control. That if your life today, that you may see, that it may feel like it is completely out of control. Imagine Mary on her trip to Bethlehem on the back of a donkey. It doesn't get much more out of control than that. But yet the whole time, nothing is out of control. Anything under God's control is never out of control. And today that may be an encouragement to you. With perspective, we can see how God has been faithful, offering us peace no matter what you may be going through. Now, what happened next in Mary's life? We came on the scene and we've seen her, I imagine her holding that newborn baby. What happened next? Were there some rites and rituals that they would actually go through there where they would dedicate their, their child? They'd have to go to the temple and actually dedicate him. And here in the temple scene, we fast forward just a little bit in our chapter. You see they encounter this man named Simeon. And Simeon, he begins, it's like one of those awkward moments where it's like, you ever come around like a grandpa or, or and my grandpa was the worst. I'm not going to lie. He has like, the, he had these huge hands. And anytime he was around a baby, he said, let me see that baby. I promise you, every mom that had like their newborn baby carried by him freaked out, freaked out because he would like just then hold like the newborn baby like this. You know what I mean? And every mom was just like, what is he doing? Simeon, he kind of does the same thing. He says, let me hold this child. And he begins to pick him up and he holds him in his arms. And we pick up the story here in Luke chapter 2, verse 28. Luke chapter 2, verse 28. And he says this. He says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, praise God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Once again, there's that powerful word, all, that we hit before. All nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Here's this moment, him praising God. And child's father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. 
But then he shifts his focus, almost as if he moves from the baby and Joseph, and he looks directly at Mary. And he begins to say these words to her. He says, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. It is as if he's proclaiming to Mary through this little bit of prophecy, says, your son will be the most loved and the most hated human being that has ever lived. And even in this moment, this is true, even today, that the name of Jesus either evokes a response of love and gratitude or hatred or apathy. And we could see that he spoke a little bit more to Mary. He says, and Mary, not only will he be loved and hated, he said, but a spear will pierce your heart. It's as if you will literally be stabbed in your heart, as if you will have this incredible breaking upon your life. And it's almost like he's proclaiming, Mary, that the world's greatest blessing that will ever come to each and every single one of us, it will be your greatest breaking. It will literally break you. And if you fast forward throughout all of the gospels, you will see Mary, a few years later, seeing this become a reality. She's raised this child, but now she stands at his feet. And probably not standing at all, probably literally broken on her knees, laying on the ground, looking up at her son, who has been knelt to a cross, who has been defined defined by the Jews as blasphemous, a criminal. But yet she stands there at his feet, watching her son be crucified, watching him undergo one of the most agonizing deaths. And would she have ever thought or believed that this is what would become of her child? As you hear the words, Lord, Messiah, Savior, I highly doubt that she would have recognized that the cross was the way in which he would fulfill that. And you see her there broken. You see her there crying out to God. But even in the middle of her pain, when you have walked with God as Mary had, when you had seen his faithfulness in the past, you've known his peace in the present, you say that, God, I can trust you. I can trust you with the future, that you've always been faithful, that you've always been, that your promises have always been true, and that, God, I can trust you, that I can trust that your power, that your goodness will continue to extend into the future, even beyond my understanding. This is Mary. And as we begin to celebrate in, in April, we're going to see that the story actually doesn't end there. We see that three days later that the one that was crucified, the one that was proclaimed King of the Jews is now resurrected. He is now back to life. That the cross, that all that he had been promised, that all of God's faithfulness and promises have come true that he has conquered the wages of all sin and death, that he has brought about a kingdom that breaks all the bondages, the evil of this world, of all the sin, not only in your life, but in the whole world. He has brought this restoration, this redemption to all people, you and me. All of our sins, all of our brokenness has been washed away, has been washed clean 
because of his sacrifice on the cross. God's fullness of his promises coming true some three days later. Now here's where I begin to question this week. Did Mary get to experience the resurrection of her son? Did Mary get to see her son? Broken Mary, did three days later, did she get to see him? Now here's what's crazy, is that the scriptures are actually silent on this matter. You don't see a moment. You see Mary Magdalene who gets to see him. You see the disciples and those, Thomas, the one of which that doubted, all of these stories, but where is Mary? Some theologians, they put it this way, which I think is so true for each of us. Could any narrative record the moment of resurrection of the son in the heart of his mother? To all the mothers, imagine seeing your son crucified and then seeing him back to life. What words could ever explain or fulfill the incredible joy that you would feel? And today, some of that may be true for you as well because the Jesus that was once dead has now become alive in you. You now experience his love. You now experience his grace. You now get to fully experience his joy. And sometimes you're like, I have no words to explain how changed I am, how restored I am. I am, how my life has been forever changed. But we see a little glimpse, which I think is so, so cool. If you fast forward to Acts chapter 1, verse 14, as the disciples and, the, and those that got to see and experience the resurrection, they are all gathered in the upper room. And it says this, and they all joined constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and the brothers. And I began to think and dwell on what Mary, the joy she would have been able to experience of knowing that her son is alive, but then how, how incredible and of an evangelist, of a share of hope that she would have been. I can imagine if we go all the way back through the story, she interacts with somebody and says, hey, I just want to tell you my story. I want to share with you of God's incredible promises that one day I was actually visited by an angel and he said that I would bring forth a son we will call his name Jesus. And I wasn't the only one that had an angel come to him. Also, my husband Joseph had an angel as well. And this is the crazy thing is that it was a virgin birth. It was a virgin conception. And I know that seems crazy, but it was just God's hand was upon me. that the, the Holy Spirit came upon me and gave forth this son. It said, not only did I have that moment, but also I got to see God just continue to be faithful in my life. He said, he, God sent these shepherds to me. And these shepherds seen this, this angelic experience and these heavenly hosts that proclaimed this truth and they began to share with me all they had seen and all they had heard. And then we went to the temple and met this man named Simeon. And he told and proclaimed once again and affirmed who my son was and what he would be. And he said, I'll tell you about all of the miracles and signs and wonders that he had done. We've seen the dead brought back to life. We've seen all of those with affliction healed. We've seen all of those cast out now brought near. I could tell you story after story, he said, but I'm gonna tell you about the day that almost broke me, is when I see my son on the cross crucified. He said, I thought that that was the end. I thought that that would be my greatest blessing, but then God's power for the future came alive and I have got to see, I've got to experience the resurrection of my son. 
And what that means for you is incredible hope that God's promises have fully been fulfilled, that you may now experience peace in your life, that you can actually be restored to the creator of the universe, be restored in your image of God that he has created you in, that you actually are not too far gone, that there actually is no sin that you have committed that would be too great for his loving hand to extend and reach down and touch you that you can be delivered from the things that hold you bondage, that you may be forgiven, you may be restored. This is my son, this is my son, and I want you to know about him. And that same message has come to us today. Through Mary's story, through Mary's testimony, through the testimony of those that came after her, we have got to see fully and clearly God's promises of the past, his peace in the present, and his power in the future. And today, that power can extend to you as well. Every single one of us has this common denominator within us is that oftentimes life can be hard and life can be painful. But you know how his power touches us right here in this moment? Those that are in need of comfort, those who need a comfort, those who are in pain, he is your comforter. Those who are hurting, he brings comfort to your life. Those who who are afraid, he is your help. To those that are weak and overwhelmed, he is your strength. To those that are rejected, he has now brought you close to be your friend. Those that are in bondage, be delivered. He is with you. His power is alive. He is there for you. And he will never, ever leave you. I just want to take a moment. Would you all just bow your heads with me all across the room? Would we just take a moment once again just to ponder all that we have heard, all that we have seen throughout Mary's story and the Christmas story. I continue to leave. You never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. And today, once again, this may be one of those moments that one day you'll look back on as the one that changed your life as the moment that you said yes to fully embracing, to fully understanding God's presence and power in your life. And so what I wanna do is just take a moment and just continue to share with you that as you reflect on your life, maybe it's been far away from God and it's been so distant from God. But today in this moment, as we share this story, that he is with you today, that he is with you. And you don't have to avoid him. You don't have to push him aside any longer, that you can actually open the door up, that you can begin to receive, receive his promises, receive his goodness, his mercy and his grace. And by saying yes to him, by by opening up your heart to him, by having this faith and repentance in him, this belief in who he is and what he has done, then the scriptures is so good with telling us that we can experience peace. We can experience joy. We can experience forgiveness. We can experience freedom. We can experience as what you have probably heard throughout your life, salvation. And salvation from what? Not just not just an eternity away from him, but but to experience. What are you saved from? Saved from the things that have held you captive, the evils of this world and the darkness of this world. You today can be forgiven. 
and restored back to Him. And so I want to give you that moment today. One of the earliest believers, what was their proclamation? What was their confession? They would say, Jesus is Lord. And that's what I hope that today, maybe for the very first time that you proclaim over your life, that yes, God, step into my life, step into this moment. Redeem me, restore me. I want everything that you have to offer. And here's what I believe to be true is that he'll meet you right here and you'll be able to experience his goodness, his love, and his mercy in your life. And so as we come to a close, who needs him today? Do you need him today? We're gonna just pray a special prayer. And then at the very end, as we just have reflected in this Christmas season, we're gonna have a moment where we just rejoice and we give God praise. To those today, God, that are seeking you out. To those today, God, that are opening up their hearts, that you are opening up their hearts. Your spirit is moving right now in this moment, God, to reveal to them who you are. Lord, I would pray that they would make a decision of faith to come towards you, Lord, to receive all that you have promised. And God, they would feel right now peace overflow their <laughs> overflow their whole life and their body, God. And they would be restored back to you. And they would now feel within them the power, God, of your Holy Spirit. They would feel within them the power, God, that you will be with them, Lord, into their future, Lord. And we pray today that as a church that we would have boldness, that they would step out in boldness to make this known to us, Lord. And that today, that is each of us would rejoice today, God, from your faithlessness and your goodness and of salvation coming, coming into those lives today, Lord. We are thankful, thankful today for your goodness and your mercy and your grace in your life. Lord, may we never forget your faithfulness, God, in the past. Lord, your peace in the presence, God, and the power in the future. And to with all of that, come on, church, can we just lift up our voices? Can we lift up a shout of praise today? Come on, church, with everything you got. Amen, amen. Merry Christmas. Merry